Shortly after the Miami Hurricanes lost to North Carolina, a former Hurricanes player tweeted this. At some point, you can't continue to place the blame on the jockeys. The blame has to finally shift and be placed on the horses. Now, in this equation, the jockeys are coaches and the horses are players. So let's talk to the guy who tweeted it. You are locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Three-game losing streak. We're hoping that comes to an end this Saturday when Miami takes on Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech at twelve thirty on the road in Blacksburg. But I want to bring on a man who's certainly been to Blacksburg before, and he knows what it means to be a part of a winning locker room. He arrived at Miami to play offensive tackle in two thousand one. That was a, a pretty good year, as far as I can remember. Rashad Butler joins us. Rashad, what's going on? I'm doing well. No complaints at all. And Rashad, of course, you know, a great former Kane player. I mean, he's still a Kane. Once a Kane, always a Kane. But a, a great former player. And uh, he's a former post-game co-host of mine. And you can imagine post-game conversations for Kane's football in recent years have, uh, have been pretty heated. And, you know, Rashad has always had the perspective of, you know, you do have to put at least some blame on players when things go wrong instead of putting all the blame on the coaches. So you you had that tweet, Rashad, that I read in the opening. At some point, you can't continue to place the blame on the jockeys. The blame has to finally shift and be placed onto the horses, right? So, okay, mm -hmm. based on what you've seen through five games, specifically during this three-game losing streak, um, how much uh, of the spotlight do you put on players versus coaching, and, and how has that all played out for you? Well, the reason I made that tweet uh, after Saturday's game was because I didn't want fans to continue to place the blame on the jockeys or, in this case, the coaches, because for so long, and as you know, uh, doing the post game with you in the past, the blame has always been placed on the coaches especially during the Manny Diaz era and I'm not saying that blame shouldn't be placed on the coaches but you know looking at the losses that Miami had um there has been a lot of mental errors uh especially uh the past couple of games uh in the secondary with the defense and I'm not trying to say that the offense hasn't made mental errors because they have as well but for me, as a former player um, in college and in the NFL, when I see mental errors occurring, that's not necessarily coaching. Uh, that's more so on the players uh, not remembering what they were taught or their specific assignment uh, on that specific play call. And the blame has to be placed on the players. And I think the players, the current players now, need to do a better job of understanding uh, the new system, whether they like it or not, and whether fans like it or not, you know, whether it's offensively, 
with uh, Josh Gaddis, if I'm not mistaken, and defensively with Kevin Steele, if I'm not mistaken. Um, right now, you know, whether, like I said, the players or the fans, you may not like the scheme, but if a play is called for the players, they have to go out and they have to execute the play that is called. And, you know, specifically going to the uh, Middle Tennessee game, I mean, there was just too many breakdowns in the secondary. And I know you may have the fans that want to play devil advocate and want to say, well, maybe the scheme is too tough. Uh, I mean, listen, if the scheme is too tough, then that's up for the players to relay that to the coaches. I mean, I understand these are still kids and they're in college, but if you're not grasping something the way you need to grasp it in order to uh, put your best foot forward, you need to speak up. So I just think in this instant, as of right now, I think the the blame, the majority of the blame has to be placed on the players. They just have to do a better job of understanding uh, their system, whether it's on offense or defense, and they have to execute that. And it's also, it's always complicated when a new staff comes in and they make pretty radical changes on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball. And so like on the one hand, if you look at it like a long-term project, obviously these coaches are going to be looking for recruits, right? 2023, 2024 and beyond that really fit the systems that they employ. And maybe some of the current players don't necessarily fit that, but then obviously you know, the coaches need to adapt to the players, Rashad, and, and they need to find plays that the players are comfortable with, but they also don't want to sacrifice the long-term transition just to say, you know what, we'll just try to run everything that the coaches ran last year. So the players do have to learn that. The coaches have to teach it to them. So in your experience, um, just like how, how difficult can it be for a player to learn a new system and, and to make that transition when they were playing a different way for the past few years? For me, and I want to make sure I say this correctly, I think the most difficult part is from a technical standpoint, as far as your technique. Um, I've never had any problems when it comes to the uh, intelligence of the game, as far as understanding uh, any type of system, because I'm the one to ask a lot of questions if I'm not, uh, I guess, understanding what the coaches, you know, or my coach is trying to uh, teach me. So for me, it's always been, I think when it comes to a new system has just been the technique because every system uh, and every coach within uh, that system has uh, specific techniques that they like to teach that uh, you may not have been, I guess, accustomed to in the previous system. But as far as understanding the plays, uh, that shouldn't be a problem because again, I mean, you know, every system is going to bring forth uh, a new set of, I guess, equations and problems that you as a, a football player or as an athlete, you have to figure out and that's your job to do so. We're joined here by former Miami Hurricanes offensive tackle Rashad Butler. Um, and, you know, Rashad, of course, he, he was on the team the last time Miami was a national championship caliber team. And, you know, I was a huge fan, of course, in those days. I've been a Canes fan all my life. And so, yeah, listen, uh, the last 20 years or so, there have been some ups and downs, but the last 20 years have been difficult for all of us. And something that I see a lot, Rashad, and and I, I love it. Like people leave us comments on the show. They leave us tweets at Locked on Canes and, and keep them coming. But a lot of people will tell me, like I, Dono, I just, I have no more patience. Like I, my, I've run out of patience. 
It's been a 20-year rebuild. I don't want to hear about rebuild happening this year when it's been happening for the last 20 years. But my big thing is, Rashad, it's like I know it's painful, and I've been through the last 20 years the same way every Canes fan has. But I can't blame all of the last 20 years on coaches that have been here for eight or nine months. Like it's not it's not fair to put all of that on Cristobal as as some people are trying to do. Uh, and I wanted to get your experience because when you were at Miami in the early 2000s, Mario Cristobal was on the staff then. What he he was coaching the tight ends, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. at the time that you Correct. were there. So you know he wasn't co- coaching your position group, but you did interact with him a lot. What were your impressions of Cristobal as a coach? Um, I loved him as a coach. Um, I've always gravitated uh, to coaches that are very intense, but coaches that are great teachers as well. Um, I've always said, you know, I don't mind you being intense and I don't mind you um, let, uh, yelling at me, but as long as you're able to be respectful uh, along that line at the same time, if you're a great teacher. Um, you know, I've always had tough coaches. You know, Art Kehoe has been a tough coach, but a great teacher. I mean, uh, even when I got to the NFL, uh, the legendary and, you know, the late great, Alex Gibbs, I mean, he was a intense, fiery yeller as an offensive line coach, but, you know, one of the most intellectual coaches I've ever had as far as, you know, understanding the zone scheme and just teaching it uh, at a, at a doctorate level. So, you know, I've been, I've been drawn to very intense guys and Mario's a very intense guy, but at the same time, Mario is an outstanding teacher. I mean, I used to I, I used to just sit back and just look at the the way he coached, you know, guys like uh, Greg Olson when Greg played tight end, you know, even Buck Ortega, you know, his uh, his 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 stint at tight end and, you know, just him converting from, you know, quarterback, you know, that he came in as uh, to tight end. So Mario, like I said, again, not to beat a dead horse um, is a very intense guy, but he's a great teacher. And to address uh, what you talked about before you uh, addressed Mario, when it comes to rebuilding, I think if fans want to blame anybody, they have to blame, you know, the previous athletic directors that Miami right. had with Paul D and uh, Blake James, because again, it came down to them just not choosing the right coaches. I mean, it's just like in the NFL uh, when you're a GM, you have to choose the right guys in the draft. And if you don't, then of course uh, it's going to hurt you. And then that's going to be your resume. And, you know, I understand fans are tired of rebuilding and I'm tired of it as well too, but I just think that you have to give the guy, you know, that you choose, you know, and hopefully it's the right guy. And this time I truly do think it's the the right guy. And I know fans may not want to hear that, but you have to give that guy, at least three or four years because, you know, he has to be able to bring in, you know, his horses, his guys, and hopefully he's able to recruit, you know, the right horses and so forth. And right now, again, I mean, and and this is, you know, not a knock on Manny Diaz, but, you know, I think Mario Cristobal is having to work with, you know, guys that aren't his guys. I mean, guys that are uh, Mark Rick and Manny Diaz guys. And, for fans, just allow Mario at least to bring in his guys and have at least two years with his guys. So 
I, I know fans want to hear this, but I think <laughs> the telling year for me is going to have to be 2024 because I think by that time he will have his guys and he would, and he would, he, he will have had his guys for at least, you know, two years and so forth. So I know it's a long way out, but I'm really looking forward to 2024 be, really being the year where this program can finally turn the corner under Mario Cristobal. And I say that because I truly believe that Mario Cristobal is the guy uh, for the job from what I've seen in the past, as far as having him uh, as a coach and, you know, working with him alongside our, our Keo that was uh, our offensive line coach. I love to hear that. Even if it requires at least two more years of patience, I love to hear it. And folks, we have so much more to talk about with Rashad Butler played offensive tackle early two thousands at the university of Miami, uh, I've got to pick his brain on the red zone because every time Miami gets inside that 20, it's like it, everything just stops working and, and it's frustrating to watch as a fan. So we're going to get to that right after we talk about it. And this is this, unlike the red zone. This puts a smile on my face upside guys from cringing at the pump to getting an eye popping check at your favorite restaurant. Inflation is hitting us all where it hurts and it, it really hurts. This is why I started using Upside, and I've been using Upside since 2020. It's an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out, because with every purchase, I am earning cash back thanks to Upside. I use it every time I get gas, and I use it at select restaurants. It's so easy to sign up, download the app, and they're putting cash back right in your pocket, guys. Uh, it's a no-brainer. To get started, you download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED. That's L-O-C-K-A-D. Sorry, L-O-C-K-E-D. If I could spell, that'd be great. Use L-O-C-K-E-D, the promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, you claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. You check in at the business, and it step, runs you through step-by-step -step on the app. Pay as usual with a credit card or debit card and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Talking to former Miami Hurricanes offensive tackle Rashad Butler. Uh, we, we could use some push uh, for people like you in the red zone, Rashad. Uh, the Miami Hurricanes are 78th nationally in touchdown red zone percentage. And that even includes the Bethune-Cookman game, which was obviously a lot easier than the other games they played. 78th in the country, that's bottom half in the nation, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. From your point of view, Rashad, Miami, when they get inside the 20, especially when they get inside the five, like the, the closer they get to the, to the end zone, the harder it seems to be for Miami to score. What are they lacking there? So for me, um, it comes down to a few things. Uh, first and foremost, what I was always taught by uh, great offensive coaches that I've had uh, through college and through my time in the NFL is that it's a mentality, first and foremost, uh, especially once you get inside the 10, once you get uh, gold to go, it's a mentality. Uh, but just in general, it comes down to execution, 
from the player's standpoint and from the coach's standpoint, it comes down to understanding who are your creators as far as mismatches and putting them in the best possible situation to, I guess, uh, exploit uh, the defense when it comes to mismatches. So I think it's a combination uh, between Gaddis and his players as far as him understanding, okay, who are my mismatch creators? And I understand that Restrepo was pretty much the number one guy that was a mismatch creator. But, you know, again, injuries happen in football and it's up for Gaddis. It's up to Gaddis, excuse me, to figure out, okay, you know, I don't have him. So who can I use next? And I don't really understand why Will Mallory hasn't been used more because, I mean, he's a big body guy. And I think whenever you have a big body guy, down in the red zone, you have to put him in situations that can, you know, I guess, get him against smaller safeties or, you know, even smaller cornerbacks and, and, and so forth. But again, I just think from a coaching standpoint, it comes down to understanding your guys and understanding, you know, uh, what they create as far as mismatches uh, in comparison to the defense. And then it just comes down to the players uh, executing and having uh, a mentality that, like, listen, when we get down here, it is not going to be any three points. It is going to be six points on the scoreboard. You know, and I, I wanted to bring up uh, this quote from Josh Gaddis, who uh, Rashad may have noticed. He's not the most popular guy in town right now, uh, and I, I share some of that frustration. I, I do think the play calling uh, can be better at times. You know, I, I put blame on players and coaches. I, I don't usually just put all the blame on one or the other, but mm -hmm. one of the things that I noticed was, like, after the the Middle Tennessee game, you know, we talk to the coaches every week. Uh, Cristobal speaks, Kevin Steele speaks, and Josh Gaddis, they speak every Monday. Uh, and, you know, after the Middle Tennessee game, Mario Cristobal in his press conference specifically took blame like he put blame on himself for the team struggles Kevin Steele the defensive coordinator specifically said put put it on me that's on me uh whereas Josh Josh Gaddis didn't like when he spoke he didn't ever specifically put any blame on himself that was two weeks ago just for the record like as you know to be fair because people a lot of people pointed that out hey this is the one coach that had no accountability he did say on Monday when I spoke to coach Gaddis uh I take full responsibility he said of the red zone struggles that's three games in a row where we've gotten stopped at the goal line that's not who we are and that can't be who we are we've got to develop an identity and mindset that once we're on the goal line we can't be denied so he did he did say you know for what those words are worth he, he did take responsibility for it um and and again and, and also Rashad something over the last couple of weeks and, and this goes I think a lot back to the effort from the offensive line on down to the running backs uh, the running game has kind of disappeared. And some of it is situational, right, because they've been playing from behind, needing mm -hmm. to throw for chunk yards. But still, uh, the the running game's been sputtering. Um, what have you identified from that standpoint? Uh, just the mentality. Um, again, when you get down there, especially goal-to-go um, -go situations, uh, the 10 going in, it just comes down to the guys you have up front and if a running play is called, saying to yourself, like, listen, you know, we are getting at least four yards or more, you know, and then once we get within the five, we are punching it in. Uh, so I don't like to place a lot of the blame on coaching when it comes down to um, 
problems in the red zone. And like I said, yes, some blame has to be placed on coaching because, you know, the play caller has to understand, you know, who are his guys that that can create the best mismatches uh, against the defense that they're going up against. But at the same time, you know, the players have to execute and the players have to do a better job of not making any mental errors down there and really just punching the ball in. And again, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but it really is a mentality down there because I think the great teams, you know, whether you see it in college or in the NFL that are able to score in the red zone, they just have that mentality that, listen, once we get within the 20 or the 10 yard line, we are not leaving unless we have six points on the board. And more times than none, you know, they happen to put six points on the board. You know, that's well said. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about where Miami goes from here, okay? Because it is a two and three start, and it's all ACC the rest of the way. The Canes are behind the eight ball now in the ACC and in the Coastal at 0-1. What happens from this point forward? Uh, I want to talk about, guys, this is really cool. Our partners at Nissan, I love the fact that Nissan is with us now on Locked On. They've worked with us to create a new segment across the Locked On College Network called Thrilling Moments. We highlight the most exciting play from the Canes weekend game or throughout the history of our alma mater. This week's thrilling moment for the Canes is, and I know, I know it was a loss last week, but you guys know what a big Colby Young fan I am. And in Miami's comeback attempt against North Carolina, Tyler Van Dyke connected with transfer wide receiver Colby Young, big number 88 on a 17-yard touchdown pass. That got the Canes within three points with 220 left on the clock. It gave Miami a chance after a seven-play, 63-yard scoring drive. And by the way, on that 63-yard drive, Colby Young, including the touchdown, caught three balls for 43 yards. Uh, he made the case for more playing time in the future. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Alex Dono alongside former Miami Hurricanes offensive tackle Rashad Butler. So, uh, Rashad, um, obviously Miami, Miami's down bad right now. Three-game losing streak, two and three start to the year. You're 0-1 in the conference, so you're, you know, your statistical odds of winning the Coastal are, are dropping severely after losing to North Carolina. But I do remind people that uh, and obviously I'm not even saying last year was a good year because it wasn't but I will remind people Miami was two and four last year before winning five of their final six games they won on a three-game winning streak after a two and four start so I don't necessarily think who Miami has been the past three Saturdays or three out of the past four Saturdays is who they're going to be for the rest of the season um, do you see signs of hope, Rashad? Because, you know, for as bad as Miami was at times against North Carolina, they were two or three plays away from winning that football game. Do you think the Hurricanes can go on a run from this point forward? Um, I do. And I say that because I like to watch how players are able to bounce back because I'm big on resiliency. I think that that is something you need, you know, just in life as a human being in order to be successful or to give your chance, uh, uh, to give yourself, excuse me, a chance at being successful. And I want to see how Tyler Van Dyke was going to bounce back because as we all know in football, the quarterback is the most important position as far as, you know, 
his mentality, uh, how he responds to adversity, and basically how he performs, you know, uh, whether it's uh, having success or not having uh, success. And we all know uh, the previous game before Saturday's game, uh, you know, he was pulled and he was facing a lot of adversity and so forth because the guy he was pulled for came in and played uh, very, very well. But, you know, this past Saturday, he performed well. He really did. And I was very happy to see that. And, you know, from looking at that and being able to observe, uh, observe uh, that resilience, uh, it gave me confidence to say, okay, you know what? I think Tyler now really understands, okay, I have to play this way each and every week in order to give my team a chance at being successful. And also I looked at it as, okay, maybe he's finally turning the corner uh, in understanding this offense the way he needs to understand this offense and also understanding, okay, I may not have my main guy in Restrepo, but now I have to become accustomed uh, to other guys. And when it comes to the defense, uh, I'm not, I, listen, I'm not going to lie. You know me, I, I, I always keep it uh, 100 uh, or honest is I'm still worried about the secondary mm-hmm. because I just think that um, there's been too many, too many, uh, mental lapses um, on a week by week basis. And I understand like, listen, players are going to make mistakes because I've been a player and I've, I've made mistakes, but you know, when the same mistakes keep happening, that's, that's worrisome to me. So, you know, I don't know how they can get that corrected. Uh, again, I'm not in those meetings, uh, whether it's, you know, secondary meetings, you know, and defensive meetings, but, that's the one, I guess, position group on this team that still worries me. Uh, but as far as, you know, the defensive line, uh, I think they've been doing a good job. I mean, listen, people <laughs> people are hard on the linebackers, and I understand. Yeah. But at the same time, line, the line linebacker is a very, very tough position. And I just think right now Miami just – they have guys that – play well against the run, but guys that just struggle to coverage. And I don't know how much blame you can place on, you know, Mario uh, Cristobal and his coaching staff, because again, I mean, like I alluded to, uh, or like I said earlier in the show, you know, these aren't guys that this coaching staff handpicked. So, I mean, again, they're playing with players that aren't really theirs. And I know fans are going to say, well, it's their job to put those players in a, uh, advantageous situation. And I, and I agree, but at times, you know, when you're calling plays, you have to take chances. And yeah. if it requires to leave a guy that may not be that fast one-on-one against a guy that may be faster than him, well, listen, you got to take that chance, especially if you're trying to get after the quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, I think defense, the strongest position is the defensive line and they're going to have to really step their game up because if they step their game up, they can take some pressure uh, off of the linebackers and off of, I think a secondary that is uh, quite frankly uh, the weakest link on this team. And like I said, that's the position that worries me the most because there's just too many lapses uh, on a week, on a week in a week uh, out basis. As uh, an ACC veteran, you played in Blacksburg a couple of times. Miami's going to play at Virginia Tech this Saturday, 1230 p.m. Uh, where does Lane Stadium rank in some of the tougher places to play in the conference? 
Oh man, it's up there. Uh, I would say number one. Whoa! And no, 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 no. Uh, no, I would say number one in my experience would be Clemson. Oh, yeah. okay. I mean, I, <laughs> I should have let you finish your sentence. Yeah, yeah. I, listen, I remember going there in two thousand and five, man, and uh, in that overtime, well, in the in those overtime periods, because there was three, the ground was literally shaking, and I remember looking at Kyle Wright call the play in the huddle, and I couldn't hear a word that was coming out of his mouth, and I, and I had to ask um, my my guard at the time what play was called and I can barely hear him. So that right there ranks as number one, but I would say Virginia tech is number two uh, because it got loud uh, more than a few times. Uh, I've been up there. I went up there in 2003. Uh, we lost in 2003 and it was loud that game. Oh, that, that uh, was, then, that was the, uh, the Kevin Everett drop. Yeah. 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 I mean, oh, you know, he catches wide open. that. Listen, oh. he catches that. That I think that just swings the game in our favor. Yeah. Uh, and then I went back up there in 2005, and that was when you know we put it on him. But I just remember pregame and just the introductions. It was just deafening, and so forth. So it's definitely loud. But for me, it's 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 all about a mentality. It's understanding that listen, we are going into a hostile environment, and we have to execute each and every play, but more importantly, we have to execute early to take the crowd out of the game because if we let the crowd get into the game, then it's going to be very hard to uh, take them out. Well, this has been educational. Uh, he is a former NFL and Miami Hurricanes offensive tackle, Rashad Butler. You can follow him on Twitter at Rashad Jamal B. And he's a great follow, like during games. And, and you know, sometimes, depending on your perspective on things, Rashad's tweets might make you a little mad, but uh, <laughs> he doesn't care. He, he loves he, he loves the discourse. You know, he loves to chop it up with the fans. And so, yeah, make sure you support Rashad. Rashad, thank you so much, my friend, and enjoy no the problem. rest of the week. Thank you. I love it. Guys, make sure you make Locked on ACC your second listen. I go on with Candace Cooper every Thursday. She's on every single day, breaking down the conference in 30 minutes or less. Locked on ACC. We will talk to you, friends, again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.